0: hello everyone and welcome back to this edition of the sports pro Streamtime podcast my name is chris stone the community lead here at sports pro joined as always by our ceo nick meacham and we're also joined by a special guest today i'm gonna do my best her name is marion Rochet. Uh, Hopefully I've done my best French accent as possible. But uh, Marion, before we get jumping, can you just give everybody a quick background on yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, good pronunciation. Well done. Uh, So, yeah, Marion Ranchet, I'm the owner and uh, managing director of a consultancy called The Local Act. Uh, I'm helping um, streaming video services to launch and grow in the region. So that could be entering a new market like the UK, France, you name it. Or just simply exploring a new business opportunity. And a lot of companies in the region are focused on Esbat, And uh, we'll talk a bit more about that today. But there's definitely an opportunity on the advertising side. So that's what I'm doing. A bit of strategy and and, uh, commercial guidance uh, to get people over the line.
0: Well, we're definitely looking forward to to spending this time speaking to you. One of the things that we've done and Nick ran a poll uh, recently on LinkedIn, where we were asking sort of what use the audience wanted to hear more of. And, you know, one of the biggest replies was we want more deep dives into topics. So this is going to want to be one of those episodes today where we try to take a deeper look into a specific topic. Um, today, we're really going to be looking into fast channels, which is something we've covered quite a bit in the Streamtime podcast, talking about the proliferation um, of ad-based video distribution. But fast channels is one maybe... There's definitely a lot of talking around, but maybe not something that everyone quite understands, uh, maybe is as much depth as they think. So we felt this was a really great topic to, to dive into with Marion being our expert. So Nick, before we, we jump into that, I don't know if you want to add any further context and sort of where you see this space at the moment.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I look, I, firstly, I think uh, just generally the, the whole conversation around just ad supported uh, broadcasting is still really a, a burgeoning one. And, and in sports, we're still built on a premise of almost exclusively subscriptions, whether it is the direct-to-consumer play or whether it's sports role in driving subscriptions for broadcasters. So the whole notion of bringing that ad layer in is an area that is still evolving and still only in its early stages, particularly on from the sports lens. Now, a lot of broadcasters are obviously much further down the line with that. And that's particularly with Marion's great background and, and with her experience at organizations like Roku, which... Uh, have been hugely uh, you know, market leaders in, in the advertising space, in particular from uh, monetization uh, across streaming channels. Um, there's a lot to dig into here where I think you know, Fast is going to play a huge role in sports consumption in the future. And there's a whole, ho- a whole host of different directions that could go. So hopefully we'll dig into some of that today. But I think it's a really interesting area that the whole industry, the last few years has been focused on that subs play. And then it's focusing a little bit on share of wallet. Uh, and now I just think it needs to focus down on really what advertising is going to play, and and particularly the fast model is going to be become ever present alongside with what's happening on connected TV. So we'll dig into a lot of that. I think now some of it I have a a good sense of, some of it I have no idea on, and I'm hoping Marion can help us see uh, the wood through the trees. Absolutely, we're all here to learn, even you and I.
0: Um, so we'll jump into it. You know, Marion, at the most basic level, how would you define fast channels?
1: So like any acronym, let's start with what it means. So it's free ad-supported streaming TV. And and the term was coined back in 2019 by a U.S. analyst, uh, Alan Volk. And he was talking about a company called Pluto, uh, who launched in 2014 out of L.A. And at the time, everyone was looking at them funny, thinking these guys are stitching, you know, library content together. What what, what is that? Uh, You fast forward to today. Uh, so fast, it's TV basically. It's just TV in the age of streaming. So everyone was saying, "Oh, linear TV is dead." Actually, we're seeing that streaming is craving for uh, that linear experience, and this is what fast is all about.
2: And, and yeah, I think that's a really good starting point. Just quickly, Marion, I guess what 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 is fast not? You know, so I think when people start talking about it, they sort of get into get confused. With yeah. the ad-supported layer of what some of the platforms do, so just can you just quickly sort of di- yeah. differentiate the ad-supported side versus just what Fast is itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that. That's a good point. Uh, so you have Fast on one side, and you have AVOD ad-supported video on demand. And I think essentially uh, it's content that you can watch on and you know uh, ad basis, right? So it's free. The difference being that on one side, you need to be proactive. It's on demand. So you have a catalog of content that you browse through and then you start watching content versus uh, fast. It's really someone who's done that work of programming uh, a channel for you guys. And you come in and, you know, you start watching whatever is on. That's, that's why it is closer to uh, the linear TV business, in a sense, than it is to what we've seen in the es- es- space these last few years.
2: Would you go as far as to say that uh, this is getting a bit crystal ball-like and looking a bit further ahead, probably uh, something you would ask at the end of this sort of conversation, but do you think it is effectively going to be a true linear replacement as we just become completely uh, connected in this sort of connected device streaming world that we uh, are seeing, you know, not, yeah. n- not in a few years' time, but where we're heading, depending on the markets, obviously?
1: Well, you know, at the end of the day, it pertains to the way it's distributed, right? So on one side, you have a signal, you need a license, on the other, it's streaming. Uh, So yes, maybe in a few years' time, you know, uh, all TV will be only streamed. Uh, We're definitely not there yet. Uh, But what's interesting is that everyone was saying, oh, you know, linear TV is dead, etc. And then you look at 2022 people are actually craving for that lean back experience uh asvord it's amazing but it brought this paradox of choice and there's so much that you're lost right so you're actually happy in a way to uh, rely on someone else's expertise to say okay this is on you know take a look at that are you are you keen to watch that uh so i think clearly uh and also, depending on the region, uh, in Europe, we're still very fond of watching linear TV, right? We're not seeing the same. We'll speak to that a bit more, but we're not seeing what we're seeing in the U.S. where we see so many people, you know, turning their, their back away from, uh, from TV and, uh, and pay TV.
2: And just, I think, to keep finally wrapping up the picture of what fast is and isn't, uh, in terms of what we're hearing with examples with platforms like um, like Netflix, from what I understand, they're not looking at a, at a fast model. What they're looking at is uh, as an ad-supported. So there'll be ads um, either delivered native, uh, interstitially in, in the content or in between programs, but they're not looking to create a fast product, right? And that's, just, I think, again, a, a, a more of a tangible example of what it is and isn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But having said that, I think that once you go into the ad-supported space, you know, eventually you're going to do on-demand and live. And so if you look at uh, Paramount, it's a good example where they do both, right? And uh, for now, they're keeping things separate. So you have Paramount Plus on one side, you have Pluto on the other. Uh, But it's going to make more and more sense to actually have an hybrid product where you can watch content, uh, you know, at free, against ads on demand and then you can complement this you know overall offering by fast channel so I would not exclude Netflix doing that and actually they did uh, an interesting experiment a year ago and I don't think it pan out but in France they did some sort of a linear uh, feeds right so you were tuning in and that was one way it was just an a b test I think because I haven't heard any other market where they did it and I haven't heard about it in the last six months but this thing where it's all about helping the consumer to find something to watch right so you could have i don't know you could have a fast channels that rolls over you know uh, all the new contents coming up that's one good way to do that like a bargain channel of some sorts and they could do you know a stranger thing or whatever right that is themed and all of that it's a matter of finding a way to uh, get people to discover more, more content right so I wouldn't exclude it. I actually expect them to do it. Disney will be doing that, I'm thinking, you know, even sooner than that. To
2: uh, so just, and to keep digging into this a little bit further, for because I think we, once we've got the scene set, then we can dig into a bit more sports stuff. But where do you get access to fast mainly? From what I understand, you know, connected TVs are the, are the, the life force or the centre of all of this sort of ecosystem, which is very interesting, obviously, because you know, a few years ago we were talking about, not only cutting the cord, but everything was going to laptops and phones and so forth. And now what's happened is the technology's caught up and now smart TVs and connected TVs are effectively just offering that replacement linear service through connected TVs. Is that the by far the primary way that that, um, people are accessing fast content or are there other areas that are also significant?
1: No absolutely I think uh, if you look at Roku so I was at Roku at the time and they launched the Roku Channel which is their own app within the Roku ecosystem and at first they were focused on AVOD so really on demand content and uh, a couple of years ago launched uh, FAST channels uh, you see Samsung in that space as well with the uh, Samsung TV plus LG with LG channels you know you name it so initially you had Pluto a pure player Obviously, for these guys, the goal was to be as dis- as widely distributed as possible. So, you know, web, mobile, uh, TV, telcos, you name it. I I actually don't have any insight as to where they see the most consumption, right? So, I don't want to make any assumption. I well, I would assume it's on TVs, but you know, uh, I can't be sure today. When you look at Samsung uh, with Samsung TV Plus, they are both on mobile and and, and TVs, right? So, in Europe. Uh, they have over 50 million active TVs. I don't have the number of, uh, of mobile, but the play is both a TV and a mobile play. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, growing from, you know, here on out, I would say that, you know, it needs to be everywhere. And, and I think one of the things, and we can touch on that a bit later, is that in the U.S. it's very developed. You have 20-plus platform. You have pure players. You are... CTV manufacturers entering the space. Um, in Europe, it's still a handful of, you know, uh, companies in the space. And I think we're going to need the telecom operators to jump in on it. I'm not sure CTV is going to be enough in this instance.
0: For sure. Um, in terms of, you know, going a little bit beyond that, what how what's the opportunity that Fast Channels represent compared to some of the other monetization models that that make it so attractive? Because we've seen some early signs of people adopting this we've seen big platforms like endeavor starting to invest in fast channel capabilities to i'd assume put into yeah. sort of a white label product you know why 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 is this starting to catch on now and what's maybe perhaps unique about the opportunity with fast channels
1: Um, so, again, I think it speaks to the paradox of choice, right? People are struggling uh, to look for content. Uh, they're super keen to have that lean-back experience. And I think that when you're only operating in the SVOD space, you know that there's something you know, that you're uh, missing here. Huh? And you see a lot of people actually in the US turning away from pay TV but they're gonna miss TV, right? And I think fast is one way of kind of filling that gap. Is that you're giving these guys, you know, uh, that linear experience that they no longer have because they came into the streaming world. So that's that's one thing. Um, then it's not a one size fits all, right? So if whether you're, you know, a, def, a, de, a Netflix, a Disney, or a sports league, uh, or just a club. Uh, you're going to want to reach as many people as possible and not everyone is ready to pay five, 10, 15 euros bucks, you know, uh, a month. Uh, So the interest of Ava and fast is that it's an easy play somehow uh, to have incremental reach. So I think the opportunity is there, right? You want to have that hybrid model because you don't want to be stuck in a box and you want to be able to be appealing to as many uh, users as possible. That's the main, you know, opportunity, I would say.
0: I guess I would just flip it on the other end. You know, that's the opportunity. We're obviously um, quite bullish on fast channels moving forward. But are there any considerations maybe on the the flip side before you decide to fully sort of jump, you know, straight into the deep end with fast channels? What are some of the considerations that may come into play for different broadcasters, different sports properties that, you know, maybe this isn't? a one size fits all is there anything to be aware of or at least you want to have full consideration of
1: well i think the challenge is that uh, a lot of companies had to move from maybe just selling their content to starting to be their own d2c service so they've done that one step with Esbod. uh with advertising you know you take it you know bit further and you see that Netflix is actually partnering with someone they're not building that capability internally just yet so there's obviously the fact that you're going to need to have your team and your tech stack evolve to match that new uh side of your business uh and I think that's that can be quite labor intensive uh at first but if you've already done the work on SVODs to me, it's it's this thing that you bring, you know, on top. Uh, and if you have the right folks with you, and I'm thinking the right tech uh, provider uh, with you guys, uh, if you have the right talents internally or externally, uh, it's not so you know tough to get over that first uh, that first line on on the fast. Not as as tough as what it was when it comes to SBOT, where you have to th- be this. Thing end to end right and it's not not just you and your content i think fast is actually a bit closer to the traditional uh, job of broadcasters and and content partners i think it's almost easier because what what is it it's content yes you need to program it but the the technical layer uh you can you know give that to someone to be done for you it's it's we're not asking you to have you know a payment method and all of those things that are you know required when you launch your own SBA D2C service.
2: Marion, uh, on the just uh, touching on the the sort of execution of, of it you've talked and, and about discoverability which you've intimated is one of the benefits uh, of fast. From what I understand there's two options when you look at fast. One is in your own own product and channel yeah. and app itself, right? So Disney was the example you used that they could build their own pro linear type experience in there, which can be uh, fast uh, type. But the other one is obviously being built as part of the the channel, wider channel mix on, let's say, Samsung TV, which is the one I have at home, uh, as, exa- as as an example, where you are part of the, the programming. Uh, yeah. I think it's called an EPG, if I remember correctly from my research, right? So you're competing, therefore, with one of, say, 200 different channels uh, in that linear um program akin to what we've been used to on our traditional tv set is that, is that uh, firstly, is that accurate um and how important do you think it's to be on the, the the epg versus just doing it in your own channels
1: so uh it really depends of you know your strategy some folks and uh, disney would be like that they will want to keep as much as possible within the app right they will want to control that experience end to end Uh, An interesting example is Rakuten. Uh, So the Rakuten app, I was at Roku when they made that switch from Tvot, Svot to Avon and Fast. And what they've done is that you can go in their app and you have all of their Fast channels. They have an APG, they have their own and operated channels, plus uh, they distribute third party channels. And what I saw them do these last few months, namely in Europe with Samsung, is that some of their channels and mostly the owned and operated are actually available via Samsung directly. And I think to me that's that's making sure that you you multiply the touch points to get the biggest reach possible. Because at the end of the day, you're going to need a big reach to you know see that engagement and start seeing uh, you know uh, those ad dollars uh, coming your way. That's one example. Rakuten coming out of, of their app. Disney will, will most likely stay in. What I like about their display they're making is that they're making sure that they're being seen as much as possible. So to your point about the discoverability, the EPG when, you know, uh, FAST started at first at Hoku and at others, you had 20 channels, you know, so it was in some, some sort of a corner or a hub and, and, and there you had it. Uh, it grew to almost you know 200 300 depending on the platform we're talking about and therefore the need for the mpg came in and yes for sure uh, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get a spot and you're gonna need you know promotion and marketing outside of that ecosystem uh, and within the platform to make sure that people are coming and not just you know scrolling down and and, and not looking beyond you know slot number 50 for example uh, so that, that point is going to be very important. It's not just about being distributed, but you're going to need to market and promote, and the platform will need to do the same for you because you may end up in in a similar uh, you know, challenging setup as you have with OTT apps is that there's going to be a lot. And so how do you surface your brands and your content so that people can watch uh, what you, you have to offer?
2: Yeah, and Chris, for, for what it's worth, I, I spent some time on my own smart TV to try and work out you know, how many channels were available? Because obviously this fast idea is if you're part of that collective linear-like experience on the uh, EPG, um, how how discoverable am I if I have a channel on those platforms? And so I did some quick numbers and I found there was about 200 plus channels available on the Samsung TV, um, of which there were 18 channels that had sports-related content on there, which I thought, um, so it's about 10%, which is a little bit under. Um, but I rattle off some names to you. Uh, it sort of will give you an indication of where we're at on this. So, Motor Vision, Motor Racing, May TV, uh, Free Sports and World Poker Tour, which I'm both familiar with as brands. Then, uh, Tennis Channel had their own, uh, fast one, which I was interesting because they also have uh, their own app product and they're owned by the Sinclair Group. Uh, then there's Trace. FTF, Horse and Country, Sports Channel Network, Origin Sports, Strongman Sports, MMA TV, Horizon Sports, Edge Sport, and In Trouble, whatever that's for. So my point there is it's an interesting space because sports has there is some sports content on there. But from what I get the sense of these channels, none of us are, I think, are familiar with those as actual brands in the industry. and, And most of the content on there is is. Definitely, rights that are not being paid for—they're all um, they're all free to uh, free to broadcast, free to publish, and free to distribute. Uh, I you know I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that part of it evolves. Whether you're going to see more premium um, sports properties make a move into those uh, fast channels, um, you know, to become part of that mix of all, with all those other two hundred different channels on there, because it's it is quite complicated. To, to work your way through and find what sort of content you might get access to. Um, and before I hand it over to, to Marion, uh, just in a second, I think the other thing to dig into is obviously we're talking about fast and the reason we're talking about fast is because of the ad element, the advertising element into it, right? Um, so I actually listened, uh, to and does some research through channels like digital TV and Omdia who, um, produce some content around this. And I think it's, it's good for for context when we're talking about the scale of this opportunity the the marketplace in terms of ad revenue uh that i i have through this study through i think it was through Omdia, was this 4 billion dollars in ad revenue in the us uh, alone around fast and most of that is just purely through connected TVs whereas in the western markets there there will be 1 billion by 2025 so the european markets and other western markets are taking longer to to get up to speed but the share of revenue percentage from the advertising dollars if, is very similar from the europe to the u.s so europe's just a little bit less mature but the ratio of advertising dollars coming from linear and through sorry that that ad ecosystem is quite similar whether it's in the u.s or, or europe so I thought that was an interesting stat. Another one interesting to, to think about is when we talk about fast, uh, I'd be curious to, to get Marion's take on this, but is, is platforms like, does platforms like YouTube or platforms like Twitch, do they count as fast platforms and, and products or are they sort of a different ball game altogether?
1: Very interesting. YouTube is not in that space yet, right? They've launched uh, actually uh, a couple of months ago in the US an AVOD section. Um, And so on YouTube, everything is on demand so far, but uh, it's likely that they will be launching in the next few months in the US first and then uh, a bit later in Europe. Uh, an equivalent of of fast, right? So you will be seeing, I think, a lot of the channels that you see in other markets. YouTube will find a way to build a marketplace where you'll be able to find, you know, all of these uh, channels. Uh, You mentioned Twitch. I think that's a very interesting one. So that's live streaming. Um, So to me, that doesn't qualify as as fast. Um, Having said that... Could it be, you know, uh, a distribution outlet for some of the fast channels? I'd say, why not? I'm actually going to TwitchCon uh, in Amsterdam tomorrow. I'll, I'll ask around, right, to see if there's any interest uh, on uh, on that side. Uh, maybe getting back to what you said regarding who's in that space and the fact that there's 20 or so uh, channels in the UK. Uh, in other European markets, that number is even lower and... and these guys are first movers so maybe not you know those top top brands but what i like about those companies is that it's often the same ones who are getting in on it very early on right so they have that innovative approach where they less worry about you know the trial and potentially fail thing and they go for it they see if you know there's an opportunity there and in the us the lineup is much bigger. Talking about 120 sports channels, uh, similar as the ones that you mentioned. Uh, It's uh, the 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 poker. There's a golf one. uh, You have wrestling. Very often motorsports. You know uh, extreme sports. Very often these guys are at the beginning. So we're still waiting for the big names to come in, Uh, but clearly. When you talk to all the different platforms operating in that space, they want sports, and and that you guys you know more than anyone is that if there's one uh, segment that you know is still very strong on the linear side, it's it's sports. So if you're saying that you know viewers are coming to streaming, then you want sports to come as well, right? And two things. I think uh, Mm -hmm. anyone working in the sports industry needs to take a look at that because obviously if viewers are shifting to streaming and too fast, you want to be where they are at, right? Uh, And if on the other end, you're on the streaming side, you are saying that all TV will be streamed, well, then you can't do without sports.
0: Yeah, I think that transitions us nicely to start, you know, focusing this conversation more specifically within the sports sector and Sort of within that list, what we've touched upon, these are more, I guess you could say, niche sports uh, or they're not necessarily those tier one properties yet. But I guess the question is, you know, are these the type of properties that Fast is really geared towards to provide opportunity or should bigger tier one properties be considering this? Or I guess at the moment, who is Fast set up to help the most at the current state of play?
1: so like who is there's not going to be a spot for everyone because there's a moment where you know there's just going to be too many channels and i think you will see platforms during that game of you know coming in and out and unlike ott apps where you know there's the app store there's as many applications as you want I don't think they will look at replicating that uh, in the fast space, right? So it's it's going to look similar to what we've seen in free TV and pay TV. It, it's it's going to be a subset uh, of X channels. I can't tell you how much is the good number. I don't know, right? Pluto has over 300 channels. They announced this week that they were reorganizing things, creating new sections, everything, which means that they have a lot and that they wanna make it easier for users to navigate through, right? So, but let's say 200 is the good number. Guys who were first in this uh, market are gonna fight to stay if you have bigger names coming in for sure. And I would expect bigger names to come in. I think it's gonna take time because as always, and the same went for OTT, you guys know that perfectly well, is this balance of, okay, but, you know, I'm getting so much money for these rights or, you know, I have my SVOD, why would I make something, you know, accessible for free? So it's going to take a bit, of, a bit of time for them to understand what type of content they can actually put on that type of services that's going to uh, not only uh, not hurt the SVOD or the pay TV business, but also serve actually those, bo- those businesses and you know, the engagement of their, you know, super fans and, and etc. cetera. Uh, but once they've done that, I think they can see this as a first entry to their services or to their, you know, uh, sports right on pay TV. Uh, Nick, you, you did an article on uh, Serie A in Italy who's going to keep uh, the highlights right. So these guys, for me, that would be perfect. I think it would be a waste if they're not doing a fast channel with that. Uh, and then they can, you know... Upsell to the zone in Italy or whomever, right? Or their own D2C or TT service uh, on the SBOT side if, if they want to. So I think there's opportunity to upsell and then you can even engage with your super funds even, even more.
2: The interesting I think most, well, I talked about it a bit before, but the advertising element of all this is the important, yeah. probably the most important part, right? Because that's where the more dollars in that space will make yeah. it more lucrative for everyone involved. I'm just curious about that balancing act of how does the advertising get there you know is it cuz there is obviously dynamic ad insertion or DAI there is ads that could come potentially from the channel itself or are they coming from the platform uh, I, I believe Roku is you know one of the more powerful ad ad businesses ad powered platforms in the industry and from your background, so I'm guessing you're fairly familiar with that sort of space. So could you just explain how that part of it fits into into all of this, about where the ads are coming from and how they're served and, and how that money is distributed and shared between all the different parties?
1: Yeah, which I think is almost the first question, because then the rest is more, how do you implement it, right? So there's uh, as of today, there's two models. You either sign with a platform and they have 100% of the inventory, meaning that they will be the ones who will be selling programmatically or, or with direct ad sales they will uh sell those ad breaks that you have in your content and then they will ref share back to you so you guys you will be sharing uh, a piece of the pie basically that's one way to go at it and that's you know companies who do not have any advertising experience uh, could actually do those who have a bit more muscle on that side uh, a bit more experience can actually uh split the inventory and say you know there's x percent of that inventory that i will be selling myself and i'm keeping that revenue and then the platform uh, will sell the rest uh, of that inventory and keep it to uh, to uh, to itself so those are kind of the two models uh and then in terms of how 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 does it work you know specifically that's where uh, guys like Amagi, world uh, In France, there's a company called Ocast. Uh, you have Frequency, with Endeavor, etc. That's where the, these guys come in, right? Basically, they're helping you build that channel. Uh, they have systems that will enable you to put ad breaks, and then you know do, those breaks will be filled by advertising sold by you, the platform. It can also, you mentioned it, it can also be you know uh, self promotion. So uh, if you look on Samsung TV some of those channels you see that there's this two five seconds uh, image that you see and they will make a mention of their brand and maybe say you know go subscribe if you want to have more content right so that's there's also that uh, in 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 advertising marketing that you can you can start playing with
2: so it feels like out of all of that what you've described that Given that there's a fairly limited space, um, longer term as more people are attracted to fast, it feels like there's going to be a, a real tension between connected platforms and these potential channels and even advertising as to who controls that, that sort of ecosystem. I imagine that the control is, is completely shifted back to the connected TVs. You know, you've obviously Samsung's the one we've mentioned. Uh, a few times but there's also other ones like uh I had a list in the US here you have
1: Vizio uh
2: you know Rakuten Pluto LG um yeah and, and sorry a few others that you you've rattled off there as well so uh I'm just curious what do you see there do you see basically that the control will come to the power in these situations on what is in is being served basically will go to Samsung TV or Pluto or alike as a result of this this dynamic. So the,
1: the, the, the power is in different places. There's the distribution power, right? Obviously, if uh, you're the one operating that platform and deciding, you know, which channel are coming in or not, uh, that's what we often talk about when we talk about, you know, those platforms being gatekeepers the same way, you know, the telco and the pay TV companies uh, were. So they have that first power. Uh, the second one will lie in the business model, meaning that for sure if they, you know, uh, manage 100% of your inventory, you don't have, you, you're not playing an active role, right? You're a bit passive the same way you are on YouTube where, you know, you go in and then they, you know, share uh, the ad revenue. So that that one is appealing at first because if you don't know, then you don't want to have content and have no ads. So I think that, you know, people will actually build up. At first, they may go that way, you know, uh, give uh, give the keys uh, to, to the platform. But I would suggest that, you know, early on, they still, you know, do the work to actually be able to monetize it themselves. They will see more. They will have more data uh, than if they're just saying, okay, just give me your rev share. And this is the same reason why a lot of sports... Uh, leagues and federation went into d2c at first right it was to get that data so the same will go with fast is that if you do that channel and you give it to someone and and you wait for you know the check to come in you're not going to get that data and therefore it defeats the purpose a bit of the d2c play Mm -hmm. i would say so yeah my my, my suggestion would be you know build muscles expertise and you know monetize as well some platforms may not want you to, huh? so that there's that leverage that this discussion uh, to to be at. But that would be that would be my take for all of those sports, you know, federation looking at that space.
0: So in terms of practical next steps, let's say we've gone through the conversation. We're, we're a sports organization. We've decided we want to try something new. We want to get into fast channels you know, other than maybe calling you up first to guide them through that, you know, what should these organizations, you know, what are the practical steps in terms of going from deciding this is the the way we want to head to actually implementing it, getting a fast channel up and running? What are, I guess, some of the, the first couple steps you would need to do to get that process in place?
1: Yeah, I think the first one is to take stock of uh, your content library. You know, what do you have? Uh, is it fit for having ad breaks? Because not everything works with ad breaks, right? So, do you have content where the ad experience is going to be good enough or is it going to just come in and then bother you know, uh, the viewer and it, it's going to defeat the purpose of, of pe- people watching that content? So that's one. Take stock of the content that you have, look at the quality. Then what I would say is that it's not about just stitching things together. What's interesting is that you see a lot of execs who were programming linear channels coming into that space. And the reason being that... You don't invent that. It's it's not just putting one thing after the other. There, there's a science to it, right? There's a skills uh, to write uh, programming. Uh, it's not just this thing that's going to run 24/7. You, you need to put some some knowledge into where you're putting your gems uh, and how things flow from you know one one uh, one another. Uh, so you take stock. Uh, you think about a programming. So you 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 break down your day right basically uh, you're not going to put your you know world cup final game at 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 noon i'm thinking that you will be doing that you know at 8 p.m. because this is when eyeballs are going to be there that's one thing and you need to really find the right partner for you because uh you're going to be delivering content to someone and this is this third party who's going to do that work uh of you know, making a channel out of this uh, that will be delivered then to the likes of Samsung and and, and Roku. Uh, There's more and more players in that space. So I think historically it was really Amagi and Well, but you see folks like Otera, Frequency, I mentioned Ocast uh, before, which is a European company. So it's good to see also that, you know, folks in this space in Europe are, are, you know, paying attention and investing. Um, And yeah, I would say it's pretty much it. It's not as easy, right? But the content, the right programming, finding the right partner, who's going to be, you know, uh, putting that technology stack at work for you, then you have a channel. Uh, and then obviously you need to make those deals, you know, uh, with the distribution platforms because otherwise, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's moot, right? It's
2: um, so a qu- quick question on uh, on the live versus program. Uh, uh- uh, versus, you know, typical like highlights packages, right? So highlights add insertions, pretty straightforward. You know, that just fits into the programming. But live becomes more complex. Do you think, at this stage, in terms of where we're at with the technology, is is going li- fast fast with live or live with fast, uh, depending on how you want to put it? Is that something that's a bit more of a challenge, unless you are either a a major broadcaster with the right capabilities? or you have a, a, you know, make a big investment into that space, do you think it is going to be, at least for the, the near future, a little bit more about the non-live sports content that's going to live and be successful, particularly because of the advertising implementation? Because I imagine the connected platforms might love live, but if you're not serving enough ads uh, through, the, through that window of content, then they're, they're not going to generate as much income. Uh, it's true it that all.
1: today it's uh, mostly uh, a channel that is programmed with content and it appears live, but it's, it's not live, live news. A good example of a recent launch that does a bit of both. Uh, it's actually a French newspaper called uh, Le Figaro. Um, and they did a mix of uh, videos, right, from their stock. And they have live hours within the day. The reason being that, you know, if something major happens, they need to jump in. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of early days. Uh, but it, we're going to see more and more of that. We see that news and sports are kind of the two genres that are, uh, you know, the most uh, demanded. And so that means that everyone needs to kind of, you know, level up and uh, and boost their game to uh, be able to deliver uh, the same quality as the one that you know you see uh, in in, in, in you know broadcasts. And that's where it's interesting to see folks who were historically broadcast technical providers go into that space. I think they have you know, that expertise, they have that backbone. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, a Maggie, a Red Red Bee, uh, a lot of these guys who have linear clients are actually looking at that space now as well, right? And I think they have what it takes to, uh, to do that.
2: A couple of other quick stats I want to throw at you um, to see how close we are to the market, because I think whenever you can quantify these things, it helps. But uh, in terms of Add load in terms of the advertising, the amount of advertising in the broadcast. Uh, I'm curious if that differentiates much from linear to fast or how similar they are. The numbers that I had were somewhere between uh, 8 to 16 minutes an hour. I think 16 might have yeah. been the linear traditional, uh, but 8 to 12 is more of the, the uh, fast and or, or AVOD, uh, I think, sorry, fast model. Um, and the cut, the revenue share typically can range anywhere between 20 to 50% uh, through advertising. And this is some of the stuff yes. I found from the Omdu um, guys that put that stuff together. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but that's what I heard from the, their, their reports.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's interesting, it, it begs kind of the question of uh, is fast. France- you know, ABOT rights or, you know, TV linear rights. It's a question that was asked at a breakfast on fast uh, a few weeks ago and no one really has the answer, right? Which in, it's an interesting one, but it does beg the question of if it's linear, but in the digital space, are they going to have the same obligation as a TV channel, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, as it stands today, you know, no one is looking at, too closely, uh, but uh, it could be that this becomes uh, something where you know they are replicating, you know, more or less the regulation, and therefore the ad load and all of those things will need to be on par with what is seen on, on traditional TV. The numbers you quoted are absolutely right. One that I would add is uh, in Europe we see the CPN, which is an important part, in between 8 to 18 uh, euros gross. Sorry, I'm talking about, I'm talking in euros, uh, but uh, that's the references that that I have. That's all right. Uh, and the ad load in the US, I read on average 85%. In Europe, we're seeing 30 to 70%. And one thing that people need to, you know, take into account before they launch is that it's not going to be instant revenue. It's going to take time to build up, right? So uh, you're going to improve your channel. You're going to improve uh, the communication around it. It's going to get noticed, etc. And so the ad fill rate is going to increase over time. and So a few of the clients I've been working with, they, they've started seeing you know, revenues coming their way after six months, which can feel like a long time. But like anything, uh, you need to you know, build your audience. Uh, and you know, it's not your subscriber base, but you need to ensure that you have enough people watching that you're going to get that money uh, coming back your way
2: just quickly on that last point before I hand over back over to Chris because I realize I'm asking way too many questions but I'm really interested by all this um that bit i think is just quite interesting about taking 6 months to uh, to get up and running i can understand it conceptually but obviously one of the benefits of of fast and using an epg uh, model is discoverability should be heightened you know by the fact that you can stumble across a new channel and and access to it why do you think it takes a bit longer to get up and running is it practically just getting advertisers to buy into your product is it just um, people get stuck on only a handful of those those fast channels that they lean on out of the 200 that are available and it takes a while to get people to expand are there anything that you think that really stands out there
1: well there's a few things one being that uh viewers are going to streamings and add dollars as well but there's still a lot of money on linear tv right so you're gonna need to have that educational part where advertisers need to take notice uh, of of that new uh, business model and invest some of their budget. So for sure, this is still growing. Uh, I think there's a big lag. I don't have the number in the U.S., but uh, it's still less than maybe 15% of ad revenues going into uh, CTV, right? So uh, when actually a lot of people are, uh, the the, the smart TV penetration is, you know, over 70% in the U.S., so there's that. There's It takes time for people to notice, to know that they need to invest money. To the point you were making about the number of channels, it's going to be interesting to see if we see exactly what we see with uh, SVOD, that is that you have 20 apps, you know, making for 80% on average of uh, the subscriber and the consumption. So that's another example. And uh, one thing being that, you know, Not everyone has a lot of marketing dollars to throw at that. Uh, So if it's only organic uh, discoverability, uh, that's going to take that much more time, right?
0: Yeah. Don't worry about asking questions, Nick, because I'm here learning just as well. And I I think it's interesting what you just talked about there, Mary, with discoverability. You know, Nick made the point uh, for anyone that's seen the movie Field of Dreams. There's this idea that if you build it, they will come. But at least from an SVOD perspective, we've seen... That's not the case, you know is that is that similar with fast channel that you know it looks like this opportunity but but what does go into it? you know we talk about one of the benefits of working with a broadcaster is they put all the marketing budget into to driving viewership. you know what what are some of maybe those considerations that just because you build a fast channel doesn't necessarily mean it it's going to to be a, a destination. I mean, you, you referenced you know it takes up to six months maybe because some of that's organic. you know maybe some of that that marketing side of it, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, so uh, like anything, I, I love that quote, uh, build it and it will come. Of course. So what's great about fast, just like OTT and, and D2C SVOD, is that almost anyone in theory can become a fast channel. But at the end of the day, those who will grow faster and succeed are those who have you know, great content. It seems silly, but yeah, great content, not too old, have a brand, or have a brand positioning, have a community, you know, and and invest to make people take notice. Because so fast, uh, if you ask anyone in the street, no one knows what it is, right? So I think we're still in that education period, like with SVOD a few years back. In the US, I think numbers are actually quite impressive. All demos are now aware of Fast is. So that's why it's going so hard there. Uh, In Europe, you know, we're still in that building phase, right? So the, the six months I was making, I think it pertains more to the European uh, market than in the US. I'm guessing, well, there's a lot more competition, but I think you can grow faster if you, you have, you know, the right brand, the right content, and that you put effort into making sure that people, you know, get to to notice you. One company that does great on that front is Beansport in the US. Uh, they've they were amongst the first one out of the big brands to, to launch one, I think, a year and a half ago, if not two years. They're widely distributed. Uh, I don't have any insight details you know, as to uh, the exact performance, but I think that's a good example of, of uh, someone who's doing a, a good job on the sports side.
0: Well, that that kind of nicely leads into the last question I had, uh, which was any best case examples for people that are perhaps listening to this podcast to, to go spend some time looking at some more of you just mentioned. Be in, but whether it's you know what it, what specifically are being doing that, that that's doing well, or if you've got any other examples within the sports space of people um, that are already using utilizing fast in a in a positive way.
1: So I want to tell a short story about uh, someone I met, I think it was like three years ago. Uh, I was newly at Hoku, and I had this guy, Frank Bo, who came to me. We had a chat and we started discussing about Avar and FAST and etc. And he said, so I have this vision. Uh, I want to do uh, a sports app. Uh, I'm not looking at, you know, tier one uh, rights like the Champions League. I'm really thinking that there's so many uh, niche and communities that are underserved on the sports side. And his vision at the time was it's going to be advertising based from the get go. And you fast forward to today, and I think he's doing quite great with uh, Sports Tribal. So I think that's a good example of someone who saw... That you know uh, shift this new model coming in before you know a lot of people uh, and it's it really stuck with me so I follow what these guys are up to I think they're doing a great job uh, some of uh, the channels you've mentioned are actually aggregated under their app so their up their vision is really to under Sports Tribal they want to have you know avid and fast content coming from you know a variety of uh, uh, brands and, and sports team and, and uh, sports federation etc that's a great example i think i'm super keen to see what these guys uh are going to be doing in the next few months
2: yeah frank and joe i've spoken to before and uh definitely like what they're trying to do there and initially i'll be honest initially when i thought heard the idea i'm like oh uh, going as an mm-hmm. ad only product in this marketplace is tricky considering where it was but that was a few years ago and and now it feels like that that whole idea and concept is ready made yeah. for where we're heading. Um so definitely looking forward to seeing where they get to with, with sports tribal, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, Nick, I, I'm running low on questions now. I know we could certainly talk more, but unless you've got anything more for Marion, um I I at least have learned plenty through today. But if there's anything you're still trying to, to learn from this, I'll open the floor to you.
2: No, no. I think, I think we've, you know, we've, we've had uh, plenty of great stuff in here and it can be a bit of an overload of information. Um, I just, Marion, I think to wrap up, we've touched upon already, but in summary, if you, if you could just give us a sense of what are, for anyone from the sports industry who's considering, I guess, just a, their content, their streaming strategy, what, what, what are some of those key considerations in short that, are, that you have to have around FAST?
1: So one, I would say start now. Uh, because uh, I think the doors are going to start to close in the sense that there's going to be just too many channels and it's going to be harder to get in. So I would say make a small bet of, you know, uh, getting in on it. Uh, even if Europe, for example, is not as advanced as the US, that would be not my number one. Uh, really take stock of all the content that you have, because I, 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 I do feel that there's so much out there. And most of the time it's not being seen or watched because yeah, people have to go through it. So I've heard a lot of people saying, Oh, it's incredible. People are starting to watch and like things that, you know, I had never thought about before. I was struggling to find a way to feature that. So that, that would be number two. Uh, and then, you know, obviously uh, be mindful of, but they know how to do that, right. The rest of their business. So how does that fit into you know the grand scheme of things? And of course, and again, I'm sure they will do that too, but find a way to be well-accompanied uh, on the tech side, uh, on the advertising side, and don't necessarily, you know, give the keys. Find a way to be active because you're going to learn, uh, and then, you know, you'll be able to to uh, learn a lot more by doing that versus, you know, just giving the keys to someone else.
2: Um Look, I think that, that's great advice. Chris and I would just had a couple of things that I've sort of taken away quickly from this conversation is obviously Fast is big on discoverability. It's opening up new revenue streams uh, through this advertising area that's only just evolving. It's going to be able to drive more value from sports properties content, particularly the non-live in the immediate future. Um, there is there is a loss of data access, which I think is an important part in all this given what we've been talking about if you do start working with some of those connected TV platforms. And it does sound like it's going to become an absolute supply and demand problem where getting in now will be really valuable. So um, I'd say to to Marion's point, start looking at this now seriously and and work out how you're going to tackle it. Because if you're too late to the party, you might not be able to get in.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today, Marion. Um, certainly was an insightful session. I'm sure whoever listens to this podcast is going to come out feeling much more confident um, as they approach the FAST topic. So I do want to say thank you again for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, guys. It was it was blast.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully, everyone, you learned as much as we did. Um, do feel free to reach out to Marion if you do have any questions about FAST. Before you go, myself and Nick would just like to thank you for tuning into this episode of Streamtime. If you found the episode insightful, please make sure you like and subscribe on whichever platform you listen to. As a growing podcast, we'd greatly appreciate your support in sharing or writing a review. Ultimately, we want this podcast to not only entertain you, but also hopefully help you navigate the digital sports landscape. If you have any feedback on previous episodes or any topics and speakers you'd like to hear from in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find myself and Nick Meacham on LinkedIn or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at SportsProChris1. Nick can be found at SportsProNick. Of course, if you want to stay fully up to date on the sports business news cycle, please make sure to visit the Sports Pro Media website or sign up to one of our several newsletters to make sure you don't miss anything. Once again, thank you, and we look forward to you joining us next week on the Streamtime Podcast.